it is uh, an honor and a blessing to be gathered here with you this morning as we pour over God's word together. We're in Acts, the last chapter, chapter 28, and so I invite you to open up your text if you brought your Bible with you. Or if you have an electronic Bible, you want to open that up and take a look at your Bible there. Um, you can also do that as well. So Acts chapter 28. There are some times in our Bible uh, when we kind of just uh, flip it open and say, now go and do likewise type sort of thing, right? Um, and this is not really kind of one of those passages, you know, so if any younger uh, folks out there, this is not permission to go out and find and handle snakes. Uh, have a good conversation with your parents if you uh, need to, okay? Uh, so it, you'll, you'll get it here in a second. Acts chapter 28, and as I uh, read this morning, I'm going to invite uh, the Holy Spirit to come and, as we heard already, to bring my dead words to life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your gift to us that is your word. Teach us, we pray, that as we've come prepared to hear, or Lord, in my case, prepared to speak, I ask, Lord, that you take control, that you so fill this place with your spirit that there's room for nothing else. And Lord, that when we are done, that we burst forth from this place with light and life in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Acts chapter 28. I'm going to read the whole of it for you, but there's a few different scenes that get uh, set here, and so I want to, uh, want to allow you to follow along with me. Um, I've, I've called this message this morning um, the asp beyond our reach, and you'll, you'll get that in a sec. So as we bring this sermon series to a close, we've been seeing all these different stories, and I want you this morning as we en engage all these different stories, as you remember these past weeks, all these stories coming together, and it seems like this story that had a beginning and had a middle, but what's going on at the end as we turn to this last chapter? And so as, uh, as you bring up a microphone, I'll keep reading the text from here this morning. Acts chapter 28, starting at verse 1. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped the sea... The goddess Justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead, but after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed a generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and, after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways, and when we were about to sail, they furnished us with the supplies that we needed. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with a figurehead of the twin gods Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. 
From there, we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day, the south wind came up. On the following day, we reached Petulia. There we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them. And so, we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming, and they had traveled as far as the Forum of Appius and to the three taverns to meet us. At this sight of the people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, they called together the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and they wanted, uh, and, uh, they wanted to release me because I was found not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope that of, of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, we have not received any letters from Judea concerning you. And none of the people who have come from there have reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are. For we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to a place that he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning until evening, explaining about the kingdom of God, from the law of Moses and the prophets, and he tried to persuade them about Jesus. And some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made his, this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to the people this day. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For the people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. And I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his, on his own in a rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and, talked and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Not exactly what you'd expect for an end. It's a story though, isn't it? You hear the narrator. Well, we met him earlier on. Luke is telling this story, but I feel like it's Paul who's almost talking here at the end. You can maybe remember his face from Acts chapter 1. Remember when Paul was still that Saul guy who, who was more finding the Christians and persecuting the Christians. He, he looked a little different then. I mean, he was still short, but now he had his walking stick. His clothes, you know, just kind of draped off him. They barely fit anymore. He travels lightly, and he has little to call his own. But, but he is a citizen. Citizen of Rome, and that's why he has opportunity 
When he stood in the Acropolis, the, the pumice oil that had made his bare chest gleam in the days before, as he spoke loudly and clearly in defense of the Christian faith, his training, no less than four languages, no doubt, his travels, people like Caesar's would wish to claim the places that Paul had gone. His victories and the things that he had survived, no merchant on the seas or the waters, no no soldier ever served under such a leader who had such a story to tell, and yet, now living in his one-bedroom prison apartment, awaiting trial, this citizen of Rome, but of another country as well. His citizenship in Rome promises him this chance to speak in his defense, but his citizenship of another kind keeps his grip very loose around this life. This life that he's almost lost so many times. A snake bite? Throwing overboard? Stoning? Beating? Prison chains? Paul was ready in season and out of season to tell the story. And like a seasoned actor, the show must go on. The, the curtains open, he would look up and say, Are you ready? Let's hit our mark. No wonder when the snake bit his hand, he just held up his arm as the creature just kind of dangled there. I like to imagine, maybe it's the comedy inside my head, but you know, one of the big burly guys you know, tending the fire just faints you know, from seeing the, the snake there. Paul shakes it off and sucks on the wound. Oh, ouch, man, that's going to leave a scar there, guys. I mean, Paul was ready for anything, <laughs> including his death. He talked about it. I consider it pure joy, my sisters and my brothers, when I suffer for the sake of the gospel. He knew what it was to suffer. He knew that this was the past, a history of the church, that a history of faith that had been a suffering faith, suffering people. He knew that the present time was also a time for suffering. And he anticipated a hope of a future because he knew something of that future too. He knew what was to come because, and I dare say, we have this opportunity ourselves as well. We have the opportunity to look inside the text, look inside the story, and see stories from the past histories, testimonies, really, that witness and testify to the goodness of God. You want to know why you can trust Him? Because I've seen people who have and what, have, what has been the results. You see, I don't think that, that he was worried about a snake because he had heard stories about snakes before. He had seen I think it's best to remember at this point in our series, maybe at the conclusion of it, as we do come to the end, we must ask ourselves, what is the book of Acts really all about? What is, what's the, the main story, the thrust there? Well, it starts in, in the end of Luke, really, with a commission to go, baptize, and teach, making disciples. And Jesus says at the end of Luke chapter 24, go do this in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. And then we see it again last week as we heard in Acts chapter 1. To Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. 
And when the Spirit comes, they take a stand. And that's what they start doing. They start in Jerusalem there. And then on to Samaria, where they meet sorcerers and other people. And they finally into the outer region, some places sometimes reserved. But the place is for the Gentiles. That's what our text is saying. The light has shone, and it's now this light to the many nations. The church had its beginning, but the church has changed as much from chapter 1 as it has to chapter 28. Just like Paul. Paul was a Jewish teacher then, and now a convert to Christ, finds himself on this small little island of Malta. I always wanted to go there. Splitting wood and waiting out the winter. Would this be the end of Paul? I'm sure he thought. Would this be the end of the church? Some people are asking that question now. Are we post-church? You know, was COVID a little bit too much to try and get some of those folks back through these doors? Other people who say, you know, as you take a look at Paul's journey, all the things that can stand in the way of a, of a good story getting told, well, he's got a snake bite, he's got a shipwreck, and then even on their way, they're passing through the great Pollux and uh, the twins to remind them of the great advancements of this civilization that had built it upon a mythology that was so impersonal. They missed an opportunity, perhaps. And that's as Paul is splitting wood and shaking off copperheads. Maybe he's wondering if the church is going to make it. Because there's many reasons why the message of Christ can be stopped. Politics, sure. Illness and injury, absolutely. Doubt, that's a big one. Geography, language, imprisonment, lack of funding, lack of time, lack of people. Sometimes we forget. We can even tell the wrong story. So how can we make sure that the message goes on? That's the calling of the church, isn't it? To continue to tell the story. We're supposed to love to tell the story. And it's no wonder that, as a friend of mine recalled his father being visited in their home. Oh, his father liked to rub it in, too. Every time that the the church would have one of those, you know, the visiting pastors come around, you know, the, the traveling, um, you know, the, this is a, one of those good speakers. Let's, let's get a tent revival going and all that. And say, you know what? If we've got this guy here, let's, let's send him in to see Fred's dad. Let's go, let's go tell him to go spend some time with Fred's dad. See if he can, you know, crack that nut, you know? So Fred's dad would sit there in his same old brown chair and, preacher would come in with a visiting pastor, the evangelist, and, oh, what do you need, pastor? Oh, it's an offering plate getting a little late this year, is it? Yes. Yeah. You need another pledge, do you? You need another 
Another shot in the air. Another, another someone in the pew. Is that all you need? He heard it. Over and over and over. And Fred, it was not easy. Especially when he found himself called to ministry himself. To know that his father would have just liked to have seen the end of the church. That would have been just fine. Because what has the church done for him anyways? And Fred says, you know, he would say it all the time, all the time, Josh, but there was one time he didn't say it. It was on his deathbed. He was in a hospital room. And he couldn't speak. Too much smoking, he said. So he took a pen and a Kleenex box and he wrote to Fred and he said, borrowing some old words from an old story, he said, draw your breath in pain to tell my story. And Fred said, Dad, what's your story? He said, I was wrong. As as he looked around the room cluttered with flowers and cards and packages and people, evidences of people from that church who had stopped by. Because the story is good and it's too good not to tell. What happens is the stories of the past, they become our stories. I'm sure that as Paul dropped the split logs onto the beach that day, trying his best to pull his own weight, despite it wasn't very much, despite his limp and his travel-worn body, he was close to 60 and more wise than strong, remembering stories of the past, stories of a Jonah, a prophet uh, trying to avoid God who had sent him to the east to go speak to some Gentiles. And he says, no, I'm going to the west instead. And he gets thrown overboard and nothing to talk to but himself, the seagulls, and one really big fish. Maybe Paul was sitting there laughing to himself, now a new Jewish prophet of sorts, finding himself west again, shipwrecked again, talking to the snakes <laughs> I'm sure it made him smile as he brought that message west. He would remember Adam and another snake in Genesis chapter 2. A snake that promised freedom in a real and freedom in a meal. And he would handle that snake somewhat differently through his faith in Christ. The faith that he encouraged and other people around him, people like John Mark, though a stubborn little boy that he was sometimes. And Paul heard about the good things that were happening in John's churches. Because John Mark was, was leading churches and they were vibrant. And these, these, these churches, these congregations, they were doing some interesting stuff. Just read the 16th chapter of Mark. Handling snakes? Ooh, I don't know. Maybe he was hearing about those stories in his present It wouldn't be long before John, the other disciple, would find himself banished to another island himself. Not an apartment in Rome, but an island in Patmos where God drew on the night sky for him unbelievable sights that he describes for us. 
a snake in Revelation chapter 12. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Paul is reminded of the stories of the past because he knew that those stories inform his present and impact his future as well. Last week we were reminded of the beginning of Acts and that there's a future coming that we can anticipate. And it would be very simple indeed to forget. But in order for us to remember, the church has been doing things for a couple thousand years to help us remember and to not forget. Our stories is one. Storytelling, that's one part of it. And we have whole seasons of them as we anticipate this next season of Advent. I'm so excited for what's to come. Starry night and Christmas lights as we look up into the bright sky that can seem at times so dark and scary but yet illumined with such um, a leading and a hope and a peace and a joy and a love. Trust me, you do not want to miss the opportunity to be a part of the message next week. Things are going to happen here that you wouldn't imagine possible all through the telling of a story. This week, we have another means to remember. It's communion. It's the time where we set it aside a portion of time to remember the sacrifice of Jesus when he says, do this in remembrance of me. And Pastor Nicole is going to give us some instructions about why this symbol gives us hope. You may still be wondering, why does Acts end this way? It does seem to fall off. It does seem to have no real nice tied bow with you know, a, a cast in order of appearance at the end. Nothing like that. Let me help you with that. Why is the church always waiting? Well, the church is always waiting because the church is always sending. The church is always telling. Because it's in constant pursuit of something which we cannot, this side of glory, obtain. It's called, in some uh, theological terms, we sometimes call that the already and the not yet. This is better than the idea of manifest destiny or conquering this this world and subduing it in 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 the stories of of our past but a different understanding and of what really could be imagining a unity a community of peace and what's beautiful is that christ as he left his friends he gave them instructions too reminds us that we can already now have people at our table. You can invite people, or it might be even sitting beside someone, known to you or not, with whom you do not agree over one thing or another. And maybe not yet, but in one day, in the fullness of time, we will come to understand, and we will experience as we sit together at a different table. All of those differences will be gone. 
And yes, we will pronounce Christ as King. And although He will be, He will gently sweep in and say, Come to Me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. The end of Acts may seem like a fall off the planet. It seems like a novelist writing with an, a pending deadline. And, and Paul stayed there for two years. You're like, well, where's, where's the rest of it, Paul? Well, there is more. He waited for the next chance to tell the story. And I, I can tell you this because of the last two words. Para, he, he uses this, a parousia, <laughs> With complete boldness, Paul spoke about the story of God. He met Jesus long after Christ was dead, and maybe that's your testimony too. But that doesn't stop the boldness with which Paul tells his story. And that's the second to last word. The last word is freedom. Do you want freedom? I've got a feeling that Paul knew a thing or two about what it meant to be confined. But free. Chains he had felt and burdens he had carried. Stones and rocks had crushed his bones, but just as real to Paul was the peace that he knew. And he'd faced the snake of sin in his life. And he knew that it was beyond his reach that that was one snake that he could not handle. But in Christ Jesus, forgiveness is free and available, and that's the story. There's no way it can be silenced. Not by hospital monitors beeping. As someone is making a last-minute Sunday visit to a hospital room, as I heard of, they weren't supposed to be there. They were supposed to be in church that morning. I mean, but during COVID, it seems like all they could do was to try and establish a routine was just meet at the first family church of the couch, and you know, at least then with the countdown starting, they knew that they could, they could get together, but not that Sunday, not in that living room. Not far from here, but yet not here. She sat with her mother, holding her hand. And that weekly reminder for the church service about to start, you know, where it says, you know, ring that bell to subscribe. You know, all of that stuff. Yeah, that notification popped up. It's like, oh, church is starting. Well, I guess if, if I'm here, I'm not outside the reach of YouTube just yet. She says, I don't remember what songs that they sang, but they sang a couple of songs at the beginning. And then they prayed. And I was caught as they prayed for me. And they prayed for my mom. And then I was reminded that it wasn't that long ago that someone else had called their daughter who was off at school. And even though they were gone at school, they still felt like that was their church. And as she bowed and she prayed beside her passing mother, she remembered a card and a call. And she thought, this story cannot go untold. And so it does not. 
and the peace that passes understanding and the love that binds and builds families not on familiar blood, but on spilt blood that is represented here in communion. What will bind the church? What will bind our message? What will keep us There's nothing that can remain bound. There is no freedom that is outside of your grasp. Friends, there is no such place from cradles or mangers and firesides or beachfronts and those snakes that can make us cower. God grants boldness and free and frank speech to the church. He does so we can find freedom. Freedom in a story. Freedom in a scar. Freedom in a scrap of bread. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of communion. As these elements are so familiar to us, we have things like bread and fruit and juice and things like this at our, at our homes all the time, and yet how easy it is for us to forget to pause and thank the one from whom it comes. And so, Lord, we ask for your blessing. As Pastor Nicole presides over your table here, we ask for you to bless these elements. Bless the instruction and bless Pastor Nicole and all those who will commune alongside of us. For Lord, we ask that you continue to tell your story in these small morsels that go into us and with us now so that we can go and tell your story from this place. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.